The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. We are four weeks into our seven-week series called Deliver Us, Life in the Victory of Jesus. We're spending seven weeks on the world, the flesh, and the devil. Seven weeks on a spiritual battle that is real. Seven weeks on experiencing the victory, the joy, the freedom, and the hope of Jesus. John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, sums up all of Jesus' mission with this one sentence. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And last week, Pastor Tim uh, talked to us all about temptation. So thanks to, thanks to Tim for that. And today, what we're doing is we're moving on to uh, a, a deep dive into lies. So last week, temptation. This week, lies. So we're going to be talking a lot about truth and lies. And as we've been learning, the devil will tempt us, and then he'll deceive us. So here's what he'll do. He'll come and he'll bring something um, appealing, appetizing to the eye, He'll tempt us, um, and he'll deceive us. This is what we'll focus on today by telling us that it's for our good. And, and the, the, you know, God's moral heart seems vague at the moment because we're tempted with this thing that looks shiny, looks appealing, pleasing to the eye. And then once we eat of it or once we take of that temptation, then immediately he shows us the truth. He uses God's law against us to say, look, you rule breaker. And he condemns us, right? He says, well, you know, you are worthless. How, you know, you're such a, a, a lawbreaker, right? You break God's heart, right? And this is, this is the condemning voice of the enemy. It's so cruel how he works, right? He gives us something appealing, and then he condemns us. And so what we're trying to do, as we said um, a couple weeks ago, is we're trying to expose the way in which the enemy of our soul works, like any sports team who watches the film reel of, of how their opponents work, like midweek, right? They're studying the film uh, to see kind of how the opposing team works, how they run plays. This is what we're doing with the enemy of our souls. We want to understand how he works. We want to understand his schemes so that you and I are not caught off guard, so that we can walk in the freedom and the life and the victory of Jesus. So that's what we're up to. Now, Satan is the father of lies. He's the father of lies, but Jesus is the king of truth. And what I hope you'll find, I mean, some of you might be brand new to Jesus. You're just kind of exploring things. Today might be your first time ever in church, so welcome to jumping into the deep end of the pool here. Um, but what we're doing is we're, we're, we're realizing that with all of God's goodness and beauty and heart for the world, he has an enemy. He has an enemy. Now, his enemy is not his equal. This is what we've been learning, right? He's not, it's not like 50-50, yin-yang, Right? God is absolutely powerful. Satan is not powerful. But Satan is moving in the world, um, opposing the, the way of God in the world, but he's a defeated foe. And so as we come to understand how he works, we realize he's a father of lies. And so we're, today we're going to explore the truth of how Jesus sets us free and how we're delivered from the lies of the enemy. Now, how many of you are fans of uh, Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien? Any fans? In the room, a few of you, that's good. Um, and uh, many of you, I'm sure in the room, have, have watched the movies uh, of The Lord of the Rings. But some of you may not know that J.R.R. Tolkien was um, a Christian. He um, loved God, loved uh, the scriptures. And so a lot of what we find in The Lord of the Rings uh, is, is influenced a lot by Jesus. And so I want to tell you a story 
uh, of a moment that I think Tolkien is riffing on Jesus. And so some of you remember the moment when uh, there's this little kind of uh, force for good in the story. So if you've never read the stories, um, you should, uh, but, uh, but I'll bring you up to speed. So there's this little group uh, called The Fellowship, and they are, they're kind of working for good. Um, and it seems like evil is kind of taking over the land. And they move into what's called the kingdom of Rohan. This is um, a kingdom that used to be a force for good, but they, they can tell something's off. They can tell there's kind of evil in the land. And they, they come to the center of where the king is, his hall. Um, it's the hall of Theoden, king of Rohan. And, and so these characters, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, they kind of walk into the hall and they notice things are dark. Things are not right. And so they're like, this king used to be such a force for good. What's going on? Well, as they approach the king, King Theoden, they notice that right next to King Theoden is a character who is whispering lies into the king's ear. And you notice that the king is kind of hunched over. He's, he's become a shell of the once incredible king he once was, right? Theoden has become a shell of the man he was. And they quickly notice the problem. They notice the problem is that guy right there. He is whispering lies into Theoden's ear. And Gandalf notices this. And so as they approach the king, um, Gandalf knows there needs to be an exorcism here. So he looks at uh, Wormtongue. This is, uh, his name's Grima Wormtongue. And he looks at him and he says, be silent. Keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. One of the best moments in the trilogy, right? And Gandalf then turns to Theoden, and he looks at Theoden, and he says, Theoden, son of Thengel, too long have you sat in the shadows. Hearken to me. I release you from this spell. And Theoden is set free, right? He's reminded of his true identity. And it's literally, it's an exorcism. It's truth setting someone free, light piercing the darkness. See, there was a darkness that needed to be dealt with in Theoden's life. And that darkness, this is big, that darkness had come upon Theoden through a slow process of him listening to lies, right? The forked tongue of lies was defeated by the truth of who Theoden was. So you know J.R.R. Tolkien is riffing on Jesus here, right? <laughs> like he, when he wrote the Lord of the Rings, he's inspired by the scriptures, inspired by Jesus. And Jesus knew, when we read the pages of scripture, Jesus knew that to free humanity, it would have to involve a rescue, a power encounter, an exorcism, light piercing the darkness, and it would be freedom from lies, freedom from lies. And so today, North Langley, what we're doing is we are turning to Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today we are turning to Jesus who also said, so if the Son, that's Jesus, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so Jesus, our eyes are turned towards you and you only. And we sing, worthy is your name, that your name is more powerful than the lies of the enemy. And today with all of our knotted up souls and hearts and minds, we feel conflicting uh, we hear conflicting ideas, conflicting voices, and we're just struggling to understand the truth. And many of us are feeling confused, and we pray that your truth would shine brighter, that your truth would be light in the darkness today, that Jesus, you would look at us in the eye and remind us that we are your beloved, that we are your sons and daughters, and that you would rescue us from the lies of the enemy. Come, Lord Jesus. 
May your truth set us free today. We trust you. We love you. And, and, and God, we know that no sermon, no worship team, no prayer team, no, nothing can, can change human hearts. Only you can change human hearts. And so would you just gently move through the room and just all my friends who are gathered here today, may they just sense your nearness, this, this sense of your spirit close to them, reminding them that they are your beloved. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so our scripture verse is in Romans 8, which is the best chapter in the Bible. All the Bible's good, but Romans 8, come on. This is amazing. So Romans 8. So Romans 8, uh, you can turn there, and we're just looking at two verses. Romans 8, 5 to 6. All right, so as we read this, listen to Paul, the Apostle Paul, talk about what we set our mind on. It's powerful. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So just pause there. The flesh, just those internal impulses, desires that we know are not healthy, right? So we'll start again. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is the word of the Lord. All right, notice. So Paul's talking about the mind. The mind governed by the flesh is death. And we're like, yeah, we know, we know exactly what that means. How many of us would just say in moment of vulnerability, we would say, absolutely, I know what it's like to have a mind set on the flesh, on impulses, desires that we know are not good, they're not healthy, they bring destruction into our lives, but it's like my mind is set on it. It's like I, I can't shake it, right? Like I'm locked in. I'm locked in in a pattern of thinking that I know is bringing destruction to my life. And I know it's hurting other people too, if I'm honest. So we know this. This is the mind set on the flesh. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the spirit. So, So our prayer today as followers of Jesus is to say, Holy Spirit, govern my mind. Like be the governor of my mind. Like just, you know, clear the table. Okay, I'm in charge now. This is what Spirit says. I'm in charge. That's what I want. I want the Spirit to move in, to be in charge of my mind, to govern it. And then what? Then what? What's the promise? Life and peace. Oh. I mean, so every person in the room is like, yes, please, more. Life and peace. Can you imagine a mind filled with life and peace? Who does not want that? That's, it's, what a gift, right? And this is what's being promised. This is what the Spirit is delighted to do. So, now as we've seen in the past few weeks, we have an enemy. And the enemy wants to tempt us, then deceive us, and then accuse us. Like I mentioned a moment ago, hey, here's a shiny thing that will destroy your life, but let's remove the destruction of your life. Let's just look at the shiny part, right? It's, it's fine for you to take it. Right? And then all of a sudden, accusation. Once we take it, we're accused. 
and condemned. This is how he works. And today I'd like to argue uh, about that second little piece, that deceive piece, that the enemy traffics in lies. He traffics in lies. We're actually not free and we don't have peace and we're not experiencing life because we're listening to the lies of the enemy. Like Grima Worm Tongue whispering in our ears. We've, we've listened for far too long to the ideas and the lies of the enemy. Jesus was once in an argument with Jewish leadership. And uh, sometimes we get the idea that Jesus is just like a hippie. And uh, this would be one of the stories that would uh, contradict that. Uh, and so he's got some, some pretty hard words for some leaders uh, in Israel. And so these Jewish leaders at the time, they were hurting people. They were hurting common people with immense judgment and greed. And so he looks at the leaders and says this, you belong to your father, the devil. What a great way to start a sentence, right? It's just like, he, literally, can you imagine Jesus? He's a, he's a walking teacher rabbi. He just looks at the leaders of Israel and he says, you belong to your father, the devil. Who's your father? The devil. That's who your father is. You want to carry out your father's desires. Here's the deal. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And then he says this, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So he's telling this corrupt leadership, Jesus is telling the corrupt leadership that their father is the devil because he's a liar. And what have these leaders been doing in Jesus's life? They've been lying. They've been calling Jesus demon possessed. Like it's such a lie. And he's saying, the reason you do that is because you've been listening to your father. Right? You're doing what your father tells you to do. And who's your father? The enemy, the devil, who hates the truth. And then Jesus says this. He says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The father of lies. He's fluent in lies. And so Satan's strategy we're finding from Jesus here. Satan's strategy is to target the mind with lies. Okay, this is, where we're, this is what we're focusing on here today. Satan's strategy is to target the mind with lies. Now, if you go back to Genesis 3, we have seen in the last number of weeks that he does this with Eve. If you'll remember the story, third chapter of the Bible, this serpent comes to Eve, and this is what happened. The apostle Paul writes this. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So watch, Paul's fear is that our minds would be led astray. Now, how is our mind led astray? Well, with ideas, with ideas. Ideas that do not come from God. Let me, let me unpack this for a second. Speaking of the moment that Satan tempted Eve, Dallas Willard writes this. He says, quote, when he undertook to draw Eve away from God, he did not hit her with a stick, but with an idea. It was with the idea that God could not be trusted and that he must act and that she must act on her own to secure her own well-being. Now, how many of us have been in Eve's spot before, right? We, we get attacked with an idea that maybe God is not good. Or that maybe God does not have my good in mind. Because God way, God's way somehow seems longer, harder, more difficult, right? 
But there's this much easier way that seems to bring a lot of quick benefits into my life. And we're told it's not God's way, but we're like, that looks very appealing. And so, so then I got to trust. I've got to trust that God's way is better because it, it looks harder. It looks longer, a little bit more difficult. Is that really the way? Is God's way really the way that leads to life and peace? And so we're tempted, like Eve, with this idea that, you know what? Hey, maybe God doesn't actually have your good in mind. Maybe he's like holding out on life. You've been hit with that idea, right? I feel like I get hit with that idea daily. Let's talk about, let's talk about ideas. I want to thank, I'm very indebted to Dallas Willard and his book, Renovation of the Heart, and also John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies. Those are two amazing books. If you want to go deeper, Dallas Willard, Renovation of the Heart, John Mark Comer, Live No Lies. Um, Dallas Willard calls ideas assumptions about reality. So look, you have an idea. Think of anything, an idea about something, right? That's an assumption about reality, about how life works, right? So we have this assumption, this idea about how life works, and that idea creates a mental map for us. So this idea allows us to navigate life in an easier way, right? So we've eliminated some other options, and we're like, we like this idea. This is how life works, and it helps us live our life. So let me just give you a positive, very kind of normal example of this, okay? So before we go deep into the heart and the spiritual realm, let's just talk about nutrition. Because if you've ever wondered if I was an expert, yes, I'm an expert on nutrition. I know a lot about food. Um, that did not garner the jokes. I know nothing about, I know nothing. Like I literally know nothing about nutrition. Like if I talk to you and you'd be like, it's better to eat this way. And I talk to you and you'd be better. I like, I would fall for whatever you said. Um, because, and, and so this is why I'm bringing this up as an example is because I feel gullible when it comes to nutrition. But let's say one of you came to me and you said, this is what is good to eat. Like, let me tell you this kind of diet, these kind of foods, this is what is good to eat. And I would be like, okay, thank you. Now, let's say I go, thank you, that forms a mental map for me. So next time I'm in, the, I'm in the grocery aisles, I am selecting foods that you shared with me, that these are the good foods to eat. And so I'm like, okay, this is good. Makes shopping a little bit easier, so I'm eliminating other things, and I'm only buying those things. Now, what if you're wrong? Or now let's say, what if I'm wrong? Because I've adopted this idea. What if I'm wrong? And now what if I start to get sick? And I notice a growing lack of health in, in my body. And it turns out these foods are actually hurting my body. And what if this idea about the kind of food and nutrition is actually a lie? And what if my body actually needs a completely different set of foods, right? And I've been living with a lie that has brought new medical issues into my life. I said this was a light example, but actually some of you in the room are like, actually, this has happened to me, right? And so what would I need to do? I would need to change that idea, right? I need to allow a new idea to start shaping my mind, right? I, I, because ideas, ideas don't just stay in the mind. We start to live them. We literally start to ingest them. So now let's take this deeper. Imagine the idea is no longer about food. It's about how you view God. Or the idea is how you love your neighbor. 
or how you understand politics or how you understand parenting, your idea of what good parenting is, or how you understand sex or marriage, or how you, the idea around finances, how you understand how finances work, or your view and your idea around gender and how you view your body. Could we admit together that those ideas matter, right? And probably in this room, we have a variety of ideas about all of those things. But those ideas matter because those ideas, just like the nutrition thing, we begin to allow those ideas to form a mental map. And it's only after time where we realize this idea is not helping me. This idea is actually, I've been, my whole mental map has been around this idea and it's not bearing fruit. It's actually, it's really bad actually. I'm not quote unquote getting the nutrition in my life. Actually, I'm actually quite the op opposite. And so ideas start to shape our life. We're formed by ideas. Ideas have such a power, especially when they become so normalized in our life that we don't even realize we had the idea, right? It is such a normal thing for us to choose a certain, certain actions, certain decisions, but they were all way, 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 way back in time formed by an initial idea that was planted in our mind. As Dallas Willard says, quote, we truly live at the mercy of our ideas. You see how big this is? This is massive. What if following Jesus means that you and I have to start to question the ideas we have about life, right? What if we have to start to actually get serious to say, am I right about that? Am I right about how I view finances, politics, sex, gender, marriage, relationships, all of it? <laughs> like, what we want as followers of Jesus is to turn away from the ideas that don't bring life and we want to receive all of Jesus's ideas, right? We want to be formed by Jesus's ideas, by God's ideas, by his truth. That's like the journey that we're on. I want to live my life with ideas that come from Jesus and therefore it forms a mental map for us so that actually following him can actually become easier. Think, can, I, can you right now think of someone whose mental map, um, whose life and choices resemble Jesus in your life? Right, right now, bring, bring someone to mind. This is a, always dangerous activity because you're instantly judging everyone else in your life as not as good as this one person. But anyway, just do it for a second. Um, and you're like, you know what? They are a Christian. You know, this person is like the, this is the example of a Christian. Many of us go to our grandparents. Just, I don't know if some of you who grew up in the church, you maybe it's not a grandparent for you. But, you know, in my mind, I think, oh, it's my grandma, you know. And then who are you going to ask to pray for you, right? You're going to go to this person. You're going to ask them. What are the odds that my grandma, who loves Jesus, who's a prayer warrior, who will bake food for me, when, you know, who, who will care for me, who, will take, who is always willing my good. What are the odds of her going into a convenience store, a 7-Eleven, and pulling out a gun on the cashier and asking for money? What are the odds? 
This was not in my notes, so this is really dangerous. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the odds of her doing that are very low. Why? Because the ideas that have formed her life exclude those options, right? She's, she's just never going to do that, right? She's never going to do that. She is, all, she is going to be shaped by ideas that allow her to be an apprentice, a follower of Jesus, and she is going to fight her battles with Scripture and with prayer and by baking muffins <laughs> and, by, and by kindness, right? Like, so, so, you, so see, this is somebody, so whoever popped into your mind as somebody who's truly following Jesus, they have probably allowed their mind to be shaped by Jesus, right? And they probably early on had to really work on that and to go, actually, I want, okay, pray for my enemies, love my enemies, right? Turn the other cheek, right? Like all, all of these things, right? So they've had to like allow those ideas from Jesus to shape the trajectory of their life. And you and I are now benefiting from that, right? And, we, and we're loved by them. Right? They love us and they pray for us. And so this is the idea. We want to move away from, from ideas that bring destruction and death to Jesus' ideas. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we believe that God has these true ideas that correspond with reality about how sex works, about how money works, how time works, how power works, how our bodies work, how our emotions work how relationships work. And so God's good ideas have the power to bring freedom into our life. But, but here's the deal. As we begin to work on this and, and just say, God, fill me with your ideas that are true, what the enemy does is he comes in and he sows seeds of doubt, right? Are you sure that's a good idea? Are you sure that's the right way to live your life? That looks hard. And what, he, what he's trying to do is to deform us. He's, he's, he's beginning this process of deformation in our life. And what he's doing is he's just inserting seeds of chaos and death into our life. And, and the primary way he's doing it, those seeds come through lies. But what we want is formation, not deformation, but formation in the way of Jesus. And we want his truth to shape every corner of our life. John Mark Homer writes it like this, quote, our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. Now, I fully agree with uh, John Mark Comer here that the best lies are mostly true. So we're going to go on a little journey here for a second, just for a couple minutes. The best lies are mostly true. Let me give you two examples um, and they're slightly dangerous, and I'm bringing them up in a little bit of a dangerous way, but I need your trust and um, will the good here. Will the good. Okay, so here, here's the deal. So two lies. I think these are two lies. So track with me for a second. One is be true to yourself, and the other is follow your heart. Be true to yourself and follow your heart. Okay, so let's, let's go. First, first one, be true to yourself. I think 95% of that can be good, okay? Now, I'm telling you, I think it's a lie, but I'm going to tell you, 95% of that can be good. Because, why? 
Who are you? So if you're going to be true to yourself, who is yourself? You are, uh, you have unique giftings, you have skills, interests, you came from a particular family, yeah, some power, yeah, some power, you come from a particular city, you have a particular set of relationships, and each of you are uniquely made by God with this unique upbringing and all that makes you, you, right? You, the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's who you are, right? That you're God's artwork, his masterpiece. And so each of us, like pieces of art, we're created by God. It's beautiful, right? So be true to, to that, to yourself. Absolutely, I can get behind that. Let me show you ways in which I can get behind that. So for instance, I look at my life and I'm like, how, does Matthew, how is Matthew true to himself? Well, I'm... Thank you, Teresa. Yeah, I'm happy, hopefully happy. I have this body. I'm not six foot five or six foot seven, so I can never play in the NBA, so I need to be true to myself in that way. Um, I also grew up in a family that loved music and art and reading, and so there's many ways in which I'll lean into those things, and I need to be true to myself there. That's good. But now here's the deal. What if being true to myself involves condoning uh, bad behavior? Like, we say things like, Hey, this is just who I am. Take it or leave it, right? And what we, what we mean by that, or let's say what Matthew means by that, is some judgmentalism or some anger or some, some like, opinions, like opinionated or cynical. What's that? I need prayer. I do, Teresa. I do need prayer. Yeah, in my moment of vulnerability here, I do need prayer. Uh, I always need prayer, absolutely. Um, and so, so, so just with all this kind of, one of the big things for me is just in a struggle with cynicism, right? And, and saying, okay, is this, this is not who I am. Um, so if I'm true to myself, the cynical part of me, I just go, hold on a second. That's not who God has wired me to be, right? And there's actually a place in my own life, and just being honest, that that, that place needs healing. Um, because the cynicism can become... Uh, really difficult, and I, and I see it. And actually, I haven't noticed it until recently, so this is like a recent <laughs> admission. But for years, I think I've, I've leaned upon cynicism to get me through difficult moments. And I'm going, hold on, that's not who I am. I, I don't want to be true to myself in that regard, right? That actually, that's, that's a lie. Um, and that's a lie that will lead not into places that are not healthy. So, um, are we tracking here? Does that make sense? To be true to yourself? The second one is follow your heart. And again, so you can probably see how this works. 95% of that is really good. Like if your heart longs for the things God longs for, then yes. So like, you're like, my heart longs to love my neighbor. It's like, follow that. You know, my heart longs to like give to the poor or like walk in purity or have a heart of forgiveness or you're like, my heart loves generosity. Okay, again, follow that. That's good. Follow your heart, right? Or I just love to pray or to care about my family or to honor my parents or whatever it is, right? That's beautiful. That's amazing. And so in some ways, I'd say, yeah, part of that is true. Follow your heart. But what if my heart wants a career move that's inherently selfish and doesn't have my kids or spouse best interest in mind? Or what if I want uh, vacations that I can't afford or what if my heart deeply wants attention focused on myself in every conversation that I'm in? 
And what if my heart wants to find love in the arms of a different spouse? See, I need to cast all those heart longings into the pit of hell, right? So we can see how being true to yourself and following your heart, these, these are ideas that carry a cost. They're ideas that have destroyed marriages and families. And our roles as apprentices of Jesus are to capture every thought and take it captive. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Isn't that a beautiful little phrase? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Like every thought has to bow a knee to Jesus. So we capture a thought and we make it, we say, okay, bow a knee to Jesus, <laughs> right? Jesus' thoughts are better than this thought. And one of the things that's important for us to understand when it comes to the realm of ideas is that there is no idea that is neutral. There's no idea that is neutral. I don't believe that there are any ideas um, surrounding morals or ethics that are kind of in a neutral space. I like how Lewis says it. He says, quote, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So what is the truth or lie or idea that is forming you? Because we're always being shaped and being formed. There's no, none of us are neutral. We all have ideas about how life and people in the world should work. Your friend is not neutral. Your friend is lovely, I am sure, but they are not neutral. They have ideas. You are lovely and amazing, but you are not a neutral person. You have ideas. Ideas have shaped you. That's okay. They, you, have, you, have, you have ways of viewing the world, and you're not neutral. Um, I don't, every counselor has ideas. Uh, they are not neutral. I think counselors think sometimes they're neutral. They're not. They have ideas about how the world works. Every pastor, definitely including myself, has an agenda, right? I am not neutral. If you are looking for a neutral party, I am not that person, okay? I, I have ideas. I have ideas about how the world works that will either lead to confusion and pain or to life. And so the, the key role that I have, that you have, that all of us have together is to keep turning to Jesus who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We keep turning to Jesus who, who also said, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now, how do I turn to Jesus? How, do, how, do we, how does this work? That's right. And he, he actually helps us in prayer. And I want to talk about two things, worship and the Bible. Worship and the Bible. So right now, we're going to do a little thought experiment. I would like you to think about nothing for three seconds, if you can. Can you think about nothing for three seconds? Here's, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to count down. Three, two, one. I'm going to pause, and I want you to think about nothing. Here we go. Three, two, one. Did you do it? Were you able to do it? If you... If you could do it, you're amazing. You're Superman. Uh, I cannot do that. I literally cannot do that. I cannot think of nothing, right? We cannot think of nothing in life, right? So our process is to actually fill our mind with truth, with God's ideas, right? Then we'll have this mental map and a renewing of the mind. So how do we fill our mind? So this is not about not thinking bad ideas. This is about thinking good ideas and truth. So in worship, we explain how this happens. Let, let, let's see. Just a moment ago, we were saying, worthy is your name, Jesus, right? 
We were singing that over and over again. So what are we doing? We're, we're, we're having our minds filled with the truth of Jesus. So we say, worthy is your name, Jesus. Or, Jesus, your name is like honey on my lips. You're the holy and anointed one, right? This morning, I woke up literally from bed this morning in, with shout to the Lord in my head. How many of you love that? So, shout to the Lord, old school song. Um, but see, this, these words are filling my mind with truth. Because I can't not think, I can't just think of nothing. I got to fill it with the truth. And in, and in the Bible, scripture reading, um, this is how we fill our mind with truth. So we slowly, some of you are reading large sections of the Bible. That's amazing. Keep going. But what I would encourage all of us in the room to do is to pause and to slow down and to read sections of scripture where we just are immersed in it, where we read it slowly, and we just allow his truth to just form our minds. And so for instance, for me, Romans 8, the end of Romans 8, where we say, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? There's a whole passage of nothing being able to separate me from the love of God, nor, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation can separate me from the love of God. That has, I hope, has begun to rewire my mind. Or, or we memorize verses like Joshua 1.9 has meant so much to me. I know I've shared that like a thousand times with our church family, but... But God's words to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That, that when I feel discouraged, when I feel afraid, I just go, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. The Lord your God. So that scripture pops into my mind. And I hope that by God's grace, my mind is being reformed. A lot of us you know, know a lot about maybe neuroplasticity. That are actually our minds can, sh- can shift that there's hope, that they can actually, our minds can be rewired. Um, and it's like the scriptures knew that, right? Jesus knew that, that our minds can actually find, a, find healing as we focus on the truth of Jesus. Or one of my favorites is Matthew chapter three, where Jesus comes up out of the waters and he hears a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. And you and I, we are actually in Christ. And if you and I are found in Christ, then those words apply to us as well, right? We're children of God. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. And with them, I'm well pleased. That when God looks at you, says, this is my son. This is my boy. This is my girl. And I love you and I'm proud of you, right? And the condemning voice of the enemy silence that voice and say, actually, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you so much. Matthew chapter 3. So we fill our minds with the truth of Jesus. Listen to Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so all of a sudden we go, well, with a verse like that, what are the things that we're thinking about? What are we pondering? Well, let's let our minds be filled with the truth of Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm the truth. And so this is really all about him, right? This is about relationship with him. Freedom from lies happen as we draw close to our Savior who loves us. And we want to do that right now. We're going to do some, we're going to do some ministry here. I want us to get healed. Our enemy has lied to us for far too long, so it's time for freedom. So North Langley, here's the deal. We're going to bring some verses up on the screen. I need your help. This is a... This is a, 
out loud participation uh, event. This is a moment for all of us to be involved here. So many of us have come believing lies like this, that we're not loved by God, that we have been abandoned by God, that God is simply not there, that God is deeply disappointed with us, that we are too sinful to be loved, okay? So we come bringing those lies into the room today. And what we're going to do is right now we're going to let the Holy Spirit speak truth deep within, within our heart. And so I'm going to read the address, the verse address, and I'd like you to speak out the truth, okay? So here we go. Holy Spirit, as we do this, I pray that you would come and that you would shine light into the darkness, that you would shine your truth into this place, and that you would heal us. All right, Northangley, John 1, verse 12, I am God's child. John 15, 15, I am Romans 5, 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Ephesians 1, 1. Ephesians 1.5, Colossians 1.14, Colossians 2.10, Romans 8.1-2, you got to read that one again, Romans 8.1-2. I am free forever from condemnation. Romans 8, 31. Romans 8, 35. I cannot be separated from the love of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. Colossians 3, 3. Philippians 3, 20. 1 John 5.18. Do you believe that one? Hold on, pause. Do you believe that one? You're born of God? Let's do that one again. 1 John 5.18. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. Matthew 5.13 to 14. John 15.1 to 5. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Ephesians 2, 6. Ephesians 2, 10. Ephesians 3, 12. Holy Spirit, speak the truth. Holy Spirit, speak the truth. Speak the truth upon our church family. Speak this truth into my broken heart. Speak this truth into the life of my hurting child. Speak this truth into my broken marriage. Speak this truth into my addiction. Speak it into my cynicism, into my bitterness, into my loneliness, into my anxiety, into my atheism, whatever it is. Holy Spirit, speak all of these truths. Come shine your light into the darkness and cast all those lies out of my heart, out of my mind. A.W. Tozer once wrote this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's so important. When, what comes into your mind when you think about God 
You know, do you think of Jesus? Look at the cross. This is the God you love and worship, one who is willing to be crucified. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. That's the God you love and serve. That's how much God loves you. Look at the cross. See Christ. Give up his life for you. That's how much God loves you. What comes into your mind when you think about God, it's so important because that's the place where the battle lies, right there in the mind. So when you think about God, think about Jesus. When you think about God, think about the cross and know how loved you are. Can we stand together? We're going to worship. We're going to pray. If you feel comfortable, would you close your eyes? Would you kind of extend your hands, if you'd like, out in front of you? And with our hands in front of us, it's a posture of receiving. And Holy Spirit, with our hands stretched out before you, we, we offer you our minds, our hearts. We place in our hands all the ideas that have shaped us throughout the years. And we pray that you would take them. And God, that as you take them, that you would gift us right now, that you would place in our life in our hands, true ideas, true ideas about who you are and how much you love us. And so God, our hands are open here because we're, we're surrendered. Lord, we surrender and we, we pray that you would fill us with the love of God. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with the love of the Father. as we pray here, as we worship, our prayer team is going to come forward here. And uh, our prayer team is going to be in the prayer room as well. And here's the deal. Today is a special Sunday. I mean, we are really hoping to see freedom um, for people to feel that they have broken free from the lies of the enemy. And so our prayer team is inviting you that if you feel stuck in a pattern of thinking or behaving, our prayer team wants to pray deliverance for you. I want to pray deliverance for you. They also would love to pray deliverance for a loved one. If maybe a loved one is on your heart, we pray for them. But we want to pray for freedom here because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So as we worship, please come forward, pray with us, pray in the prayer room. I'd also encourage you to turn to one another if you feel comfortable and pray for each other. We want this whole room to be a prayer room. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill this entire room with the love of God. And we just pray that your love would be so tangible in this place. And Jesus, we trust you that we, if we hold to your teaching, that we're your disciples and that we'll know the truth and that the truth will set us free. 